Hello, school counselor. Welcome back to the School for School Counselors podcast. I'm Steph Johnson, your host, and I'm so glad to be back here with you another week for another episode of the podcast. Guys, we always talk about before COVID, since COVID, now that COVID's happened, all those kinds of things. I wanted to bring you an episode about what really happened during COVID. A lot of the research is just beginning to come out, but it's given us some really interesting insights kind of as as to where students stood when the pandemic was getting underway, what were some of the things they experienced along the way, and we're still awaiting some of the research on what the fallout of that is. But I can attest, and I bet you can too, that there are some significant changes since we've all been locked down in quarantine, since we've all been socially distanced, all those things. Those factors definitely have come into play into the school setting. So we're going to dive into what we know so far about COVID and post-COVID kids. But before we jump into that, as I do every week, I want to share with you one of the sweet reviews that we got from a podcast listener. This is from Bword1551, and they titled their review, A Priceless Lifeline. Oh, my stars. (laughs) You guys are, you're embarrassing me a little bit with these wonderful titles you're giving to these reviews. The reviewer goes on to say, I graduated with my master's in school counseling nine years ago and then made the decision to stay home full time with my young children. I'm now finally looking to begin my career and stumbled upon this podcast. I truly shudder to think about starting this crazy process without this podcast and the other resources offered by School for School Counselors. I can't get enough of the amazing information I'm learning here. It's research-based, it's practical, it's encouraging, and it's real. I'm so thankful for this podcast and their Get the Job program. Thank you. Thank you, B-Word1551. That was a precious review, and I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Those kinds of reviews motivate myself and my team each and every week to try to continue bringing you the very best we can. You heard the reviewer mention our Get the Job program. Guys, if you're in the market for a school counseling job this year, do not hesitate. You need to run on over to our Get the Job podcast and subscribe to that one as well. We've been demystifying a lot of the parts of the job interview process, giving you some more of those research-based practical tips and tricks on interviewing And I'll be honest with you, a lot of them go against the status quo. There's a lot of bad misinformation out there in social media. And so it's our mission to clear that all up. So if you're in the market, head on over to the Get the Job podcast. We would love to visit with you over there. All right. So this week, getting back to our thoughts on post-COVID kids. I'm going to run through some of the information and stats that we have about COVID just to kind of set the stage. So first, we don't have a whole lot of numbers on children just because um, those are really hard to get. Those are hard to come by, so we're gonna do the best we can. We know that three quarters of people aged 18 to 29 experienced some sort of educational disruption. And I would wager to say that's much, much higher for our school-aged babies, right? We know that one half 
of people aged 18 to 29 have reported themselves as depressed as a result of COVID. And we also know that one-sixth of people, still the same ages from 18 to 29, who were employed before the pandemic, stopped working. So we have some substantial changes already that we can see. The effects of COVID, according to one study, hit two main groups the hardest. One group being low-to-middle-income countries, And the other group, and this one surprised me a little bit, was women, regardless of location. Interesting, right? I think once we think about that, we can start sort of drawing all sorts of conclusions. But on the upshot, what the studies are saying is that women were hit hard. There were decreases in job opportunities and job cutbacks, additionally, that disproportionately affected people of color, another large group in our country that had been affected uh, by the fallout of COVID. But what do we know about kids specifically? What do we know about what's going on with kids relative to COVID? We know that pre-pandemic, 10 to 20% of children experience mental health concerns. 10 to 20%. We also know that most of those students received their services in schools. We know additionally that the pandemic brought about an increased risk of abuse, neglect, and other traumas for students. Yeah, kids moved to homeschooling during the pandemic. They had to process their information alone. They had to endure situation alone. And as one study said, oftentimes in silence without the added support of a school counselor. Gosh, that breaks my heart to think about that as I know it does yours. And if you were working in school counseling at the time of COVID, you were probably a lot like me. You probably sat at home and thought about some of your specific students, right? You worried about their welfare. Did they have enough to eat? Was the home environment safe? All those kinds of things. Another study brought up an interesting point, um, and I'm going to quote it here because I, I think the way they said it is just so impactful. They said, whereas prior to the pandemic, just about every classroom had at least one student affected by trauma, Now, in the aftermath of the COVID-19 crisis, many more will have been exposed to some sort of traumatic stressor, such as witnessing violence, experiencing the death of a loved one, and or having suffered a significant loss in family income. Now, everyone has been affected by trauma in some disruptive way. Man, that'll get you in the feels, won't it? Yeah, everybody's had a trauma. We've had global trauma. And that quote came from Mitchell at 2021 from a paper entitled Supporting Students and Families in Post-Pandemic School Systems. If you want to go take a look at that one, we'll have the citation in our show notes. But I think that's a really powerful statement. You know, it used to be you might have one or two students in a classroom that had experienced trauma in their lifetime. Now it's just about 100%. And so, of course, schools are looking different right now. Schools are working differently and schools have different needs because the students within them have different needs as a result of the pandemic. 
The papers that are out also outline a situation for students where they experienced decreased socialization, less physical activity, poor nutrition, and more time with TV, phones, and video games. Yeah, have you seen and heard those impacts already? I know I have, especially the socialization piece. I know we've heard many school counselors remark on the fact that their students seem to be one to two grade levels behind with regard to social skills. And we're having to go back and backfill a lot of those skills for students that we feel like they should already have at this point in the game. But the reality of it is they just don't. They never had the opportunity to experience certain kinds of interactions, to facilitate their own responses, and to practice and to see what their peers do. That's a big, big part of learning all these social rules and cues. And students lost that in the middle of the pandemic. And two, I think a lot of them forgot, (laughs) right? You're out of the game for a little bit. It's sort of hard to get back in there. Lack of routine also comes into play as well. Irregular sleep, which led to worsening health for many students. And separation from their support system, separation from their friends, led to a lot of frustration and some clinically significant stress. An anonymous online survey was administered to individuals aged 18 to 35 from the end of April to mid-May 2020. So right smack in the middle of quarantining, the start of the huge crest of the pandemic. This is cited by a study, um, and I'm going to butcher this name, Hongian, Schmidt, and Feaster 2020. The Paper is titled Loneliness, Mental Health, and Substance Abuse Among U.S. Young Adults During COVID-19. This online survey just sort of sought to get a um, baseline for how um, individuals in this age range were doing at that time. 49% reported loneliness scores above 50. They note that this is associated with higher levels of mental health symptomology. A lot of loneliness going on. Folks were lacking those needed social connections, right? Which led to a lot of issues with depression, suicidality, substance abuse, and even some cognitive decline and decreased overall health. Huge impacts. 80% of those in the survey also reported significant depressive symptoms. 61% reported moderate to severe anxiety. 30% reported harmful levels of drinking. 53% reported decreased feelings of connectedness. This is pretty powerful information, huge impacts. And again, we've got to think about the fact that many folks in this age range were trying to parent our students in the midst of all of these struggles. My goodness, can you imagine what that was like? Maybe you can. Maybe you were one of those people, right? No shame in that game. So as we look at the children in the middle of the situation, we know that so far two things have been predicting COVID-19 depressive symptoms. The first was child-reported connectedness to caregivers. So we're talking attachment here, 
right? We're talking about what's the strength of that relationship. How connected does the child feel to the parent? The more connected they felt to their parent, the less likely they were to experience depressive symptoms. The other huge factor, and this will come as no surprise because we've all been talking about it since we've come back to school, is that screen time predicted depressive symptoms. The more screen time students were engaged in, you guessed it, the greater significance of depressive symptoms. So what predicted happiness in these students? So these students' happiness was predicted by limits, rules, and routine, and their connectedness to their caregivers. One of the studies said fostering parent-child connections and promoting healthy device and sleep habits are critical, modifiable factors that warrant attention in post-pandemic mental health recovery planning. Amen. Can I get a hallelujah? Guys, this is it. This is what school counselors have been talking about anecdotally for a full year now. Healthy connections. Healthy device habits, healthy sleep habits. We are in desperate, desperate needs, need of these limits. And we're still seeing students who cannot return to a place of, of balance, right? We still have lots of students that stay up all night wanting to be on their devices. We still have students with very poor sleeping habits. We're seeing more family dysfunction spill over into our schools than I think personally I've ever seen. And so we, we can say the research is behind our observations. It's catching the same things. That was a study by MacArthur and team 2023. Also consider, too, when we're talking about connectedness, that developmental health is best when youth feel connected to their caregivers, right? But also, at the late stages of middle childhood, those peer relationships become so important to students, but students got separated from those peer relationships. And so that's caused some struggle as well. Kind of going back to those, you know, social skills we've been talking about we feel are lacking, there was a huge hole in their social lives and they didn't get to participate in those kinds of things. All right. And I know a lot of that information probably wasn't earth shattering to you. It probably wasn't super new, but I hope that it did confirm the feelings that you've had as you've been serving students. I hope it helps confirm your observations and let you know that, you know, you're just not making things up. You're not jumping to conclusions. These things are really happening. And I also just wanted to show you (laughs) The restrictions that we have currently in the amount of data and evidence for the result of COVID-19. I know there are a lot of people out there working really hard to identify the fallout for that, but as of now, there's just not a whole ton of information to go on. However, what can schools do? If we see where we've come from, we see kind of where we stand. What are the things that we can do to support post-COVID kids? There is a paper by uh, Sinha, I hope I said that name right, from 2020, where they had already started talking about some things that schools could put in place based on what they had seen so far. A lot of this is going to feel very obvious 
but I hope it cements for you that you are headed in the right direction in your school counseling program with your best efforts. So number one, they're recommending programs that focus on hope, resilience, and life skills. So in other words, we need some strong tier one and tier two programming for schools. It needs to be evidence-based, right? There are a lot of them out there that are not evidence-based. Teachers pay teachers, I'm looking at you. I will say at the time that I'm recording this episode, there is a lot of hubbub going on in the state of Florida with regards to programming on hope and resilience. And so I don't want anyone to misconstrue my words. I am not in support of the ideology in Florida currently. We'll have a whole other podcast episode coming up about that, and I'll kind of lay out the situation as I see it. But um, the upshot of it is they're replacing a lot of the things that they've been doing in Florida for school counseling, bringing in a lot of unqualified folks to work with students, and they're retargeting their programming to focus on character components such as hope and resilience. And while it is great to have solid tier one approaches in place, we also need to be careful with what those are and what they look like as we work through them. So again, I digress. That's a whole other podcast topic, but just kind of keep that in mind as we're talking through these solutions. Second, they recommend that students have spaces to deal with their psychological stress or just to hang out. Their words, not mine. Creating some wellness rooms. We've seen lots of schools uh, putting those into place where students can just kind of go chill out for a minute, get recentered, and then jump back into the game. Other schools may choose to utilize a counseling area to ensure an appropriate response on the fly. Some of these wellness rooms make me a little bit nervous, depending on who's staffing them and how uh, qualified they are to identify concerns that need to be passed along to other professionals. So if you head down that route, keep it in mind. Otherwise, it might be better to utilize counseling area so that you can make sure that you can intervene in a timely and appropriate manner. Third, this paper recommended youth-led organizations promoting mental health. Things like uh, Youth Mental Health First Aid, Hope Squad, things like that, where you have some peer mentors in the space of mental health. There is some literature behind that supporting that stance, so that's certainly an approach you can take. And last is what I think may be the most important, linkage to clinical mental health services, right? Family systems. Help in family systems is so needed right now. It's just uh, people are overwhelmed and we need to be able to link people together. We need to be able to link families with resources. We are a great option to be sort of the go-between, right? Sort of the curator of all of those resources to offer what folks need to feel better. We can also be pushing strategies out to parents and community stakeholders. Suggestions for structured family fun. A lot of our families have lost that along the way. Suggestions for reading together, home routines, all of those things that bring routine and order to the home and also build attachment. Those are vital and critical for so many of our families, if not all. And last, we need to be working to foster a sense of attachment within our schools using teacher and peer support. Many students struggled with home life before COVID. 
and now we have so many more struggling with it afterward. We need to provide those attachments that they're missing in their personal relationships to really support them in schools. Two by tens, modified check-in, check-outs, just high visibility, right? Or pairing students with particular staff members just so that they know someone has their eye on them. Somebody's coming by to check on them and say, how are things going? Those can be so, so powerful and they need not take a lot of time. A study by Johnson 2022 called Consideration Without Pity notes that, and I quote here, for youth that are under-engaged or disengaged and let down by systems, practices, and policies, I assert they need two things from adults, that they bring their most authentic, best selves to youth work, and that they remember the adult that they needed as a child. And I think that's a great way to wrap up this episode, full of stats, full of observations, and a lot of gloom and doom, guys. But the upshot of all of it is bring your authentic best self to your work every day and be the adult that you needed when you were a child. Do unto others. And if you can do those two things, you know you're headed down the right path. So just to recap those ideas for schools intervening in the aftermath of COVID-19, focusing on programming related to hope, resilience, and life skills, providing spaces for psychological stress, deploying youth-led organizations that promote and support mental health, linking students and families to clinical mental health services, pushing appropriate strategies out to parents and community stakeholders, and working to foster a sense of attachment with teacher and peer support. Guys, those are the golden tickets as we try to dig our way out of this post-pandemic reality. I, for one, am so glad that you're along for the ride because I know you. If you're listening to a podcast, that means you have above-average intelligence. Did you know that? And to have you so impassioned by your work that you're listening to a podcast about how to be better at your professional career says a lot about you. Your students are very, very lucky to have you in their service. And I just want to encourage you as we start April, when this podcast is being released on into May and the beginning of June, this is the hard time of the school year, right? This is when we start to see lots of behaviors peak, lots of needs start to overwhelm. It just seems like it's too much. Everybody's stressed. Sometimes folks are snapping at each other and are not being their best selves on campus. And it all seems like a little bit too much to take. So I want to encourage you, number one, you're right where you need to be right now. I have full confidence in you. I know you're up to the challenge. But the second part of that is, please make sure that you're taking care of yourself. And that feels so cliche. And my friends, I hate cliche more than anybody you've probably ever met. But I don't mean it in that kind of way. I mean it very genuinely and sincerely. It's super important that you take good care of yourself so that you can take good care of your students. I hope you have a great week ahead. I would love to support and encourage you. 
Make sure that you're part of our School for School Counselors Facebook group. If you haven't joined that yet, hop on over um, when it asks the three questions you have to answer to join. Just put podcast somewhere in your responses. That'll let us know. We need to fast track you into that group so you can get in on all the good conversations. And that's where I hang out and visit with all of you too, because I love seeing and hearing the amazing things going on on your campuses. So hop on over in that Facebook group, make sure you're a part of it and take good care of yourself this week so that you can be the best school counselor that you can be. All right, I will see you soon with another episode. Until then, my school counseling friend, take care. Thank you.